All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to episode 25 of the All Day Cincinnati Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm Parker Fields here, as always, with my co-host, Donnie Minky. And uh, today we have a special guest. We have Neil Meyer from the Front Office News. Go follow him. He gives you everything you see, football, basketball, baseball, anything you can think of, uh, Cincinnati sports coverage. And, uh, Neil, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. No problem. So the Bengals, of course, did have a big 37-30 to win over the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, yesterday. Got the monkey off their back, won their first divisional game of the year. They are now 1-3 and in the division, 6-4 and overall, and do have a wild card spot now um, in the playoffs, which is nice to see for the Bengals. Um, just first thoughts, what did you guys think of Joe Burrow's performance yesterday? Yeah, surgical, I thought, honestly, man. that was one of his best performances of the season. I thought it was really key how he started the first half. Obviously, it came a little bit slower towards the end. I think he started, went one drive, 10 for 10 at one point. So outside of that, I thought that first half was one of the best performances of the season for Joe Burrow. And it was kind of cool to see him bounce back after a week one where he threw four picks versus the Steelers. So to have a bounce back performance like that was good for him. If you see in oh, the yeah. chat, Tim, had, Tim said, hi, Neil. <laughs> what's up Tim <laughs> but uh outside of his two interceptions which were let's be real they were phenomenal plays by the defense mm -hmm. like there really wasn't much he could have done to prevent those he he was just fantastic like there was a little bit of a lull in the second half but I mean he, he was ice in all game uh, agreed with you like Neil said he had that drive or that stretch where he was 10 for 10 he was just looking like he just looked like everything was clicking on all cylinders in the first half then he went through a little lull through a pick through another pick went through a little lull for a little bit but then at the end of the game he turned it back on to close out that game with that nice drive at the end of the game there to get his fourth touchdown pass and Samaj P. Ryan's third touchdown of the day yeah and I mean looking back on that one of those interceptions I mean, not every D lineman makes that play that TJ Watt made. Like, that was just no. an incredible play. But you don't <laughs> no see that every day. So. makes that play, yeah. Yeah, you don't see that often. <laughs> so, you can't really put that one on Burrow. But in the end, that was just a fantastic play by TJ Watt. And that shows why he's one of the best D linemen in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Collins even yeah. punished Watt for jumping on that play. Like, he, like, that should have, no way should that play have happened. So, all the props to TJ Watt on that one. That's just a you-can't-even-be-mad type of play. <laughs> exactly. So, honestly, yeah. it was, And then this other pick, yes, it was a pick, but it was a deflection pick, too. Like, none of them were just him with a terrible read, like, throwing it right into a defender's hand. They were both, like, flukier, like, deflection slash T.J. Watt made one of the best plays you'll ever see picks. <laughs> like, seriously, that's what yeah, that's oh, what yeah. they yesterday. Um, Let's talk a little bit about T. Higgins. He had a huge day yesterday, nine receptions, 148 yards. He didn't even get targeted the first, like, 20 minutes or so of the game, the first, like, three or four drives. But then once Burrow started targeting him, he was tar targeting him early and often, and he looked really good yesterday. Higgins showed why, I mean, he'd be a number one receiver on mo more than half of the league or more than half of the league. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think – I think it really kind of shows, too. Like, obviously, everyone knows Jamar's still dealing with that hip injury. So, I mean, everybody knew the T. Higgins game was going to come. It was just a matter of time when. And it just happened to come in the big old Pittsburgh-Bengals uh, rivalry. And it, I mean, I think he finished the day with nine catches, 148 yards, averaging 16.4 catch. I mean, we saw that one catch on the sideline where he went absolutely insane vertical, went up and grabbed it, got the feet in. Came down, 
obviously he was slow to get up, but then he just came back. And I mean, he was open all game just about. And I mean, look back on it. He was one of the most reliable players for Joe Burrow has had in the last five weeks ever since Jamar went out. So, I mean, everyone knew the game was going to come. It was just a matter of time when. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, was, I was a little worried here. Sorry, I was a little worried he hurt himself on that one you were talking about where he, he like came down really hard in the first half. But uh man, he, he it didn't seem to have any effect on him. Like he he, he was open, like you said, he was open all game, destroying the middle of the field. He caught a deep ball, he made some some toe tapper. Like he he really, really showed out yesterday. And they needed him to because Boyd didn't seem like he had his best game. No. Not not at all, really, until that final drive. He had zero receptions, I believe. Yeah, I think it was the final drive. And I think, yeah, he's only got two catches for 42 yards. I mean, they were both yeah, on he, their final drive. He, has seven, yeah. he was targeted seven yeah. times, but came really alive in that last drive. Yeah, he had that one in, like, the second quarter that, like, landed at his feet. I'm not even sure if he saw the ball on that play. Uh, Tim said T. Higgins is Randy Moss when he wears that white helmet, and he said they were Madden interceptions. Uh, I agree with T. Higgins as Randy Moss in that uh, helmet. And Donnie knows, I talk about it all the time, I'm super high on T. Higgins. I think if he yes. was the number one receiver on a team, like I think there's not – I wouldn't take like seven or eight guys more than him. I think he's special. I think he just doesn't get to showcase it as much all the time. But like yesterday's the type of day like I'm talking about, that dude is elite. And I have A.J. Green flashbacks every time I watch T. Higgins. <laughs> I have prime A.J. Green flashbacks. He is, he's, there's a reason the smart NFL fans are like, oh man, I really want him on our team when his contract's up. But there's also the Bengals are like, yeah, no, we'd love to keep Burrow, Higgins, and Chase all at the same. Like, he is that good. Like, he is worth whatever contract he's going to get. He's going to get paid. The Bengals are going to yes. have to bring out the Brinks truck to keep him because teams are going to throw money at him. And you want to know yeah. what's even better is the fact he slipped to the second round in the draft when we drafted him originally, and he was one exactly. of the best, most dynamic players in college football that year. So, yeah, they're <laughs> exactly. going to have to back the truck up, and I think I think everyone knows that. It's going to be hard to really weather out the money for guys like Burrow, Higgins, Jamar. They're all eligible for contract extensions here within the next year, year and a half. So, I mean, Burrow's already up for one So at the end of the year. So just think about all the money that this Mike Brown and them are going to have to be throwing out to keep these uh this core nucleus they have exactly yeah. neil in, in 2020 you had the two alabama guys judy and rugs taking the first two receivers and then jefferson and higgins have been by far the two best receivers of that class obviously jefferson's number one but higgins is right there like right behind him is the second best receiver in the, of that class and they weren't the two that were the top top guys in that class yeah and uh, that was also the same for two and Jalen Rager was in that draft class as well, and he just busted. So, yeah. oh, don't bring up Rager, yep. Philly fans. <laughs> <laughs> big, big bust right there. Um, Samaje Piran yesterday, a nice surprise. Three touchdowns from him. Mixon got banged up. Was it officially a concussion? A concussion from Mixon? Yeah, yeah concussion protocol. Yeah, yeah, he's in concussion protocol. Yeah, I, I knew. It was, yeah. Um, but he had a really big day yesterday, really stepped up in the passing game. Me and Donnie talk all the time about how he's a really nice receiver and a really nice pass blocker. He showed his receiving skills yesterday. Three touchdown receptions, like we said. Uh, didn't get five like Mixon, but he still had himself quite a day and uh, really showed he's a solid backup. And if Mixon can't go like he couldn't yesterday, uh, he can step in and fill his shoes pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, most definitely. Receiver I think, too. And yeah. I think we all have solid, like, his flashes of him being a receiver over the years. I mean, yeah, when people think Samaj P. Ryan's out in the flat, uh, trying to catch a uh, pass out in the flat, everyone's obviously going to have flashbacks of the third and one play in the Super Bowl. But that's in the past. So then you look back into this year, I mean, I, those two of those three touchdowns were very impressive. I believe it was kind of like a similar play call as well. A little get out to the sideline and just book it and go. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at that. That one touchdown doesn't happen if Cordell Volson just doesn't lay an absolute pancake of a block. No, there was a hell of a block field. by him. Me and Donnie have talked on here about how he's been oh, pre- yeah. improving week by week. He's getting a little better each week, and he showed it yesterday. That was a hell of a play from a lineman right there. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, yeah, everybody. That that play was pick your favorite block because uh, he got out there. I forget which somebody, another lineman got out there, and then one of the receivers got out there too to lay somebody out like this. That was a that was a per like if you love blocking and you're that kind of kind of fan, that, that was fan. probably your favorite play of the day. <laughs> <laughs> if you're you love the big guys up front, that's your favorite style yeah. to watch in the game. <laughs> yeah. You like to get up in the trenches and. Like yeah. to get tough and nasty as what we say in Clifton. That's a that's a play to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, the Bengals, they just it was an overall nice win from them yesterday offensively. Like they looked really in sync. The only mishaps we talked about were kind of fluky-ish. I'm not gonna say completely fluky on the uh the tip pass. Burrow has been having a problem a little bit getting the ball tipped a lot. Uh Herbert's been having the oh, same yeah. problem with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, overall, a good win. Pass percentage. <coughs> yeah, that was, that was a, about, a needed win. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, though. They didn't play a very good first half, but they did step up in the second half when they were needed. Uh, the Steelers did have that touchdown late, but they were in prevent defense and everything, of course. Uh, what were your thoughts on the defense in the first half? What do you What adjustments do you think they made in the second half? I think, really, it came down to stopping the run. I mean, you look down at the stat line. Najee Harris had his best game of the season yesterday. I mean, he had 20 carries, 90 yards, and two touchdowns. I think in the end, it comes down to stopping the run. Obviously, DJ Reader was out a couple weeks, so it was still his return, getting him back up to speed. But overall, you got to stop the run. And I think that's one thing teams are starting to notice. As the run is there, you just got to stop the run. Tim said Kenny Pickett isn't any good. Honestly, I feel I, better I, about Kenny Pickett after yesterday's game than I did before. I thought he was complete yeah, trash. I'm with you. Yesterday, yeah, I'm there with you. Well, I thought he was. You guys, if you guys think I'm too, sorry. late in that fourth quarter, he threw an absolute dot down to the sideline to Pickens that yeah. was in the bread basket, and he just dropped it. And I think if you make yeah. if he connects on that throw, it's a whole different outcome. Yeah. It would be – yeah, they would have had more time and more more shot to make something happen late. They definitely would have had more of a shot. Hey, Pickens may yeah. not have taken a dirty shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – he makes that play. I thought, but, I thought Pickett looked a lot better yesterday. I was kind of yeah. impressed. I'm not going to lie. No yeah, I mean, yeah, no, actually, until the pressure started getting home, like, I thought he looked pretty good. Like, I think that as much – stopping the run was definitely important, but my thing was – the four man front started getting pressure and they started pushing the pocket a little bit and they let that lets the the seven drop back into coverage and force him to make tighter throws because when they were bringing pressure and still not getting home, it's one-on-one like yeah. Pickett's it's an NFL quarterback. He could, he's not Zach Wilson, so he can make <laughs> those kind of throws sometimes. <laughs> 
So he, you know, he, he needed, he's still a rookie. So you still need to get him frazzled a little bit. And they finally did that in the second half too, which I think was just as important as stopping the run. What, what I was impressed by is the way he was moving in the pocket. Like he didn't panic much. He stepped up in the pocket a few times and made some nice, like really nice throws to Friermuth. Friermuth did not have a good game yesterday. He really should have came down with a few of those passes to him that he usually comes down with. They might not have been perfect, right? Right in the bread basket, but those were definitely receptions he usually would make. Friermuth kind of had a rough day yesterday for the Steelers. Yeah, Friermuth yeah. easily could have had over 100 yards. I mean, he finished eight. Uh, eight catches, 79 yards, nearly averaging 10 yards a catch. But like you mentioned, there's some of those passes where if he catches those, it could be a different outcome. And they were passes that he normally would catch. Like, he's a really nice tight end. Yeah. And he normally catches a lot of those passes. And if Pickett can make him his security blanket and really get, like, uh, really get a nice uh, connection going with Fryermuth, I mean, their offense could definitely improve the rest of the year because the flashes they showed yesterday looked a lot better than the offense I've seen all season, definitely. And the Bengals are no slouch on defense by any means. So that was yeah, their offense is their offense clicks, but it didn't click yesterday because they were relying on Fryermuth and George Pickens. Deontay Johnson was literally nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. Which that was was the most surprising part to me. Like he's he's their best receiver. Pickens has been really good for a rookie, but he's Deontay Johnson is is a, the better receiver right now. The fact they were oh, able to pretty to limit him as well as they did was was without a, without. A, What'd you say? Sorry, you cut out for a sec. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, the way that they were able to limit Johnson was uh, better than I was hoping for because Awuzie is is huge for a guy like Johnson. But Pickett was just missing him or not seeing him. Like I don't know what was up, but it felt like Johnson should have had a way bigger impact on the game than he did. Agreed, and I feel as if he usually plays pretty solid against the Bengals. And uh, Tim said he'll be holding a clipboard in five years. Hey, maybe, but he showed he looked better yesterday Tim. than I think he has all season. Yeah, I think yesterday was by far his best game. Yeah, in terms Especially of just maybe not first half. Yeah. And even that second half, he made some nice throws that like really like that like Neil talked about that pick and uh throw. Like he sh- definitely should have caught that, that 100. Was a dot. That yeah, was, that was a dot. You guys also got to think too when that pressure finally got home, the picket took some shots too. Yeah. Like, he got right up and just continued to sling the rock. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I was actually yesterday. I was actually impressed by Pickett. I was not going into this game. I was no. absolutely not. Me and me and Donnie talked but, about like we thought he sucked. <laughs> like completely. <laughs> I know. I he, def- did, he didn't turn the ball over yesterday. No. And they and that's a like the defense isn't fantastic at forcing turnovers, but they're good enough to force Hell, them to one. If he can, if they can score thirty points a game, I think the Steelers will win a lot of games the rest of the way. Seriously, <laughs> if that happened, because to. That's a good offense the Bengals got. So 30 might not cut it against the Bengals or the Chiefs or the Bills, teams like that. But, I mean, most of the NFL, if you can do that, if he can play like he did yesterday the rest of the way, they'll win a few more games. Yeah, I don't know how sustainable that 30 is, though, because they don't have very many drives over 60 yards. Yeah. They they have two drives over 23. Yeah, I know. I was not big on Kenny Pickett when he came into this season. I thought, I thought there was no way he was going to be this number one first round pick for Pittsburgh. Obviously it was, I was me personally. I was thinking Sam Howe was there. I was thinking Malik Willis. I thought Malik Willis was going to be the number one quarterback. Take. I, I like Malik Willis the too. best going into the draft. I too. thought okay. everyone thought Malik was going to be this 
first quarterback taken. And then Pittsburgh has that tradition to stay home, take the local kids. I mean, we saw it with James Conner a few years back. But then, honestly, like coming in the first, like, obviously he didn't play the first three weeks as Trubisky struggled. Then you have to kind of get him settled in. Obviously, he's like still a rookie. Came into the season third on the depth chart. Let's talk about that. Third on the depth chart this year. He came in behind Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. And now he's starting. So, I mean, now that he's got that live repetition, everything under his belt, he's got his confidence going. I think the sky's the limit for Kenny Pickett. As you mentioned, Parker, I think if he can continue to play like that and put up 30 points to see, thirty points a game, I mean, Pittsburgh could win a few more games at the end of this season. Yeah. To be fair, I don't uh, think it was going to be hard to pass Rudolph in any scenario. <laughs> Rudolph yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> that's kind of um, true. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think it was hard to pass Rudolph either. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the fact that he he rose from third to first as quickly as he did is speaks volumes. Like I think he'll be a legitimate starter by the start of next year. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you 100 percent there. I agree with both you guys. But um, I don't really got anything else on the Bengals game. Good win overall. Do you? Uh, should we ask the UC guy a little bit about UC basketball and UC football? I'd say I'd say we got to. If you guys want yeah. to, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we haven't been we've been wanting to get some more before, college. Before talk you do, here. we 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 try to limit the homerism here, but uh, you know, do what you want. <laughs> um, Neil, of course, of course, we got to start off with UC basketball. They had the rough loss to NKU. What they end up scoring in the second half was it eleven points. Eleven points. Yeah, 11 points in the second half. They, Four of 29 from the field in the second half. Yeah, Landers Nolly got into foul trouble early. Um, they just didn't have a very good game. And, I mean, NKU, to give them credit, they're a very well-coached team. Very well-coached. Yeah, Horn, absolutely. Darren Horn's a really good coach. And, in my opinion, I, I, uh, I was supposed to cover the game, but then I couldn't get a credential, so <laughs> I didn't cover it. Um, but... I watched it, and in my opinion, Westmore got a little outcoached, especially in that second half. I definitely think so. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. I mean, obviously, you look down in the first half. You you see that match zone, and you put up 40 in the first half, and then to come out and just – I don't think they had a field goal the first eight or nine minutes, if I remember right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, NKU went on that – I think it was like a 10- or 12-point run to start the – start the second half and you're kind of sitting back you're like oh this momentum is definitely favoring them and they had their biggest crowd of the season let's talk about that nearly nine thousand people at tourist arena and nku doesn't really pack the gyms like that but that was a statement win for nku and honestly when i covered nku versus uc claremont for 48 minutes just four days prior to that it was when sam vincent had just rolled his ankle and so sam was actually in a boot people don't know he was in a boot yeah Literally three days before it, Coach Horn himself said he did not practice for nine days. And then he walked in the office at like 1, 1.30 in the afternoon and was like, yeah, I'm playing. I'm not missing this. Then to come out and have the performance he did. I mean, NKU is a terrific team. Obviously, they have that veteran guard leadership. Yeah. And they're clicking. Like, that 2-3 zone is tough. They have the length. They have the ability to space the floor. That NKU was predicted to win the Horizon League. So, I mean, people can think it's a cakewalk, but that NKU team is – could make a dangerous run if they get to the NCAA tournament. In my opinion, they could be one of those underdog teams like we saw a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. And 
the thing is, like, if, if Vincent was healthy, that viral ankle breaker, that's a dunk. <laughs> that's a yeah. dunk. That's he, a dunk. He, Absolutely. he definitely went up to try and dunk it, and he's like, oh, my ankle is not healthy. I can't get up that high right now. So he laid it in. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I saw him pregame, he had it. He had it taped pretty, pretty heavily. Was so. he even dunking like in warmups? He was just, no. He wasn't even getting anywhere downhill. Really, he was just doing a lot of shooting. He was doing layup lines and whatnot, but he was not getting up as what he could be. Yeah, because he he has a very nice vertical, and you could tell he just didn't feel comfortable out there. At least like it, he was not a hundred percent. He was probably 70, 80 percent. I wouldn't and, even I wouldn't even give him seventy eighty to be yeah. honest with you because he ended up. I think it was late first half, early second. I mean, he ended up with a knee wrap on too. So I mean, it was yeah, he ended up wrapping his knee and his ankle. So I can definitely say I don't think he was even close to seventy five percent healthy in my opinion. Yeah, and I will say for him definitely. I mean, his mindset had to be no way in hell I'm missing that game versus UC. No way in hell. I, I, you got I have to have something really, really, really wrong with me to miss that game. I mean, he definitely wanted to be in that game for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's something Coach Horn kind of hit on in his presser too. Post game was like, yeah, he walked in my office and was like, I'm going to do whatever I can. And obviously, so I actually uh, am on the Bearcat Tip-Off talk podcast mm-hmm. and Alex Meacham. We'll follow actually, that, by the way. We'll link that. <laughs> and Alex actually coached Sam in uh, AAU. Yeah. And he said Sam was never one of those kids to miss a game. So, I mean, you kind of knew like what you were getting into. If he could go, he was going to go. Yeah, and uh, somebody really impressed. I mean, I knew him from last year. I mean, I played against him in camps, uh, a couple camps growing up. Marquez Warwick is a dog. That dude's tough. He's got a really nice game to him. And that their backcourt trio of Faulkner, Vincent, and Warwick is legit. Um, and they can definitely make some waves in the uh, in the mid-major levels in the Horizon League and everything. They definitely can. Obviously, I do think UC is the better team. I just think NKU really was – ready for it. And I think UC was a little just not ready for the game. And was it, I don't think, I think they were just coming in expecting to blow out their little brother in NKU is what they were thinking going into the game. I definitely, I definitely think obviously they were coming off a span of where they played four games in like nine days or something. Yeah, like they that. did. But then you also look forward and like they play NKU and then now they're in the Maui Invitational like three days, four days later. So yeah, I mean, they probably we're just looking over this game. And then, and then you look down and you see Newman out with an injury. And then you see Daniel Skilling's not available to play. Jared Hensley was a game time decision. I mean, overall, the team was battling some early injuries. So you kind of look down to it. I mean, that that's a tough team. That NKU team is tough. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the football team. They have a big game this week versus Tulane. Uh, UC's ranked 21st in the AP poll this week. Um, obviously the college football playoff poll isn't out yet. What do you think going into this game, this matchup, Neil? I think realistically it comes down to stopping the run versus Tulane. Obviously they have a high powered offense. They went on the road and fell to, I believe they fell to UCF, right? If I remember right, I believe mm-hmm. they fell to UCF. So, I mean, they competed with UCF. They really, in my opinion, they should have won. They got off to a slow start just couldn't finish it out. They had the touchdown there. Had it set up, and it just fell short. But overall, I mean, the status of Ben Bryant's still up in the air. No one knows that because we haven't had our weekly press conferences yet. But overall, we saw Ben Bryant leave Saturday. It was the Evan Prater show for the second half, which, I mean, depending on depending on the severity of the injury, I'm pretty sure we'll know more tomorrow once we go to the press conferences. But you think back on it, Evan Prater 
12 of 17, 127 yards. I mean, it could be a whole dynamic offense. Everyone knows Prater is one of those dual threat athletes and can really uh, mix it up a little bit. And there's not much tape on him out there yet. So, no. I mean, Tulane's not really sure what to expect. And I think if you – everyone knows the athleticism Prater has. It can open up so much more in the running game. Whether exactly. It can open up the run games. I mean, Corey Kiner could bounce back, have a, another big game, Charles McClellan. I think – overall, I think this is going to be one of the best games in the AAC this year. Yeah, agreed. Both two ranked teams in the AAC, definitely a big matchup. Me and Donnie have talked about all the time. Uh, I th- I thought from the beginning of the year, Prater should have started just giving him a chance. Cause like this is going to be his fourth year next year. And I mean, I assume so that's going to be his first time getting a starting job. I liked Prater a lot coming out of high school. I watched him a couple times in high school. Dude was crazy good. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I mean, I think he's ready to take over. So if he has to play for Bryant, I don't really think it'll be much of a drop off if any. Yeah. I'm there with you. I think it would, it won't be much of a drop off. And obviously that's something we've seen in camp, but Ben, uh, Ben won the job. So, I mean, it was all his, so I mean, you gotta. Yeah, and it's not like he lost the job at any point. No. Yeah, you gotta think what. Hey, this could happen. It just all depends on the severity of the injury. But the Bearcats defense has to step up. I think that's you gotta hold your yard. I mean, obviously, this game's got a lot more depending on it than you got a AAC championship for a potential third straight season. You got a 32 game home winning streak on the line. Then you have a trip to the AC, a New Year's Six Bowl game. There's a lot on the line heading into Friday's contest with Tulane. Yeah. Donnie, you got anything? Um, Not much more to add. I just feel like against Tulane, maybe the running game that Prater adds will be a nice thing for the offense this late in the season. Maybe something that the Tulane can't study as hard since there aren't as many snaps with it. But, you know, I other than that, like, I think it'll be a good matchup at be one that I'm definitely going to try to watch. Yeah, agreed. I'm definitely going to watch that game this weekend. Um, I haven't watched all the UC games by any means, but I'm definitely going to watch this matchup. I've been definitely watching almost all the – or pretty much all the basketball games because obviously I'm covering the basketball. But football, I haven't watched every game or anything. But I am excited to watch this matchup, a top 25 matchup, and it should be a good one. Uh, last thing I wanted to cover before we get out of here is Xavier, of course, played Indiana this week. Neil, did you get the chance to watch that game? I did not get the chance to watch it, but I definitely saw some highlights. I think, what, Trace Jackson Davis finished with 30 and 12, if I remember right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. And me and Donnie were talking about before you even got on here, just when we were talking before, we both think, or I think at least, I mean, Zach Freeman, I honestly think, should have got the ball more in the second half. They kind of went away from it a little bit, and it was really working in the first half. I think at the end of the first half, he had 11-5-4, and four, was almost on pace for another triple-double, and he looked really good out there. And then they kind of went away from, you know, playing to their strength, which was playing inside. And Indiana really couldn't stop them inside because you had Davis on one side, but they pretty much were just going away from Davis, and whoever didn't have Trace Jackson Davis on him was scoring and attacking right there. Yeah, that's what that's what I saw too. And then also, look at the guard play. I mean, Colby, Colby Jones had that ankle injury early this week in practice. I mean, he didn't play versus Fairfield. It was kind of one of the same same situation as we saw with Sam Vincent versus NKU. Was like, hey, is he going to play? And then came out and had a game. So I mean, yeah. and then Kunkel missed the layup at the end. But that was one of those. That was actually let's talk about that layup when he was driving to the hoop. That was opposite hand. I believe it was left hand on the right side, right? It was right on left side. Right on the left side. And then he had to go up. It was a scoop, too. And then the defender yeah. was well positioned. I mean, I think I think Kunkel kind of 
thought like, hey, I might catch a body here. Like he might, I might draw the foul, but Fender went straight up and I think he just kind of threw him off. I mean, he had the look, just couldn't he, finish it. He looked yeah. like he was almost not prepared for that him to be that wide open. Like he wasn't wide open, but I feel like he didn't even think he was going to get that good of an angle on it. And he ended up with a great angle on it. He missed it. Things happen. But you like to see that confidence out of him. No hesitation, just attack straight to the rim. And they got a good look. And that's all you can really live with. As like I know as a coach for Sean Miller and everything, he's not going to be like ripping his hair out over that last second shot. That's a good sh- look to get, honestly. Yeah, and Indiana's no, going to be another top 25 team throughout this season, too. So, I mean, you can't really be upset at the loss, especially with how the game ended. With that yeah. look, you can't be mad. It's just what it was the right shot, just didn't fall. Exactly. Yeah. Don, what think, was Indiana ranked now? 10? Indiana's up to 11. 11? 11. But I think Miller's closer to ripping his hair out over Sule Boom, falling <laughs> that last possess that next to last possession. But, um, yeah, I really can't complain. Like, obviously, you want to win those games, and I, I don't – moral victories or whatever but that's the best I felt after a loss in a while like this team Sean Miller's teams have a history of peaking in conference play in March so like I feel like this team's gonna be good if they play like that through the conference slate they have a chance at the Big East title yeah (laughs) I think they could definitely play for a Big East title this year especially with how Fremantle has really adapted to coach Miller's uh play style I mean obviously he had that little suspension for a week in the summer but I think the key for Xavier is Zach Fremantle yeah yeah because he he just his passing this year has been incredible like something that I hadn't really at least come to this level been at this level before so the interior passing he provides opens up a lot of dimensions for this offense that really needs to attack inside yeah, I really like the way Xavier's offense flows. I like how they run a lot of sets through their bigs because their bigs can pass the ball, they can facilitate, and they run a lot of sets out of that. And I think that's a really nice play style when you got somebody as versatile as Fremantle who can do a little bit of everything. You can use that to your advantage and let him you know, pass the ball a little bit from uh, in the high post and everything. And it really was getting Xavier open shots in the first half. Yeah, agreed. But, yeah, overall, if you're a Xavier fan out there, I would not be – disappointed at all in that loss. That was a really good team you're playing, and that was a really good – you showed you're a really good team, and you're probably close to a top 25 team in the country right now as well. I'm pretty sure when I saw last night, they were they're were, they were receiving votes in the top 25. I think I saw them yeah. ranked 29th, if I remember right. I might be wrong on that, but I'm, I know they're receiving votes in the top 30. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you're right on that. Um, when's the cross-down shootout? December 10th. Solid. Xavier would be 30th if it went out that far 30th okay yeah two points behind Michigan so they're getting some votes that's good well Michigan might drop too Donnie because they had a close one last night versus uh, Ohio yeah Yeah, this is this is the one that came out today okay yeah I didn't know if they dropped that yet or not and then UC UC basketball of course has Arizona and the Maui tonight uh what are you expecting there that's the last thing we'll talk about I I think (laughs) to be blunt (laughs) I think it all depends if you can come out you can't come out flat we saw it at NKU you cannot come out and start down eight to two ten to two like you did versus NKU Arizona will put you away Uh, they have four guys averaging 16 or more Uh, they have a forward averaging 20 and 10 roughly or 20 no it's their center is averaging like 17 and 10 like you can't 
they have the talent, they have the length, they have tremendous guard play. And I just think you can't come out slow and it'll all be, you have to get attacked downhill. You got to get Landers Nolly going early. You really have to find ways to see if you can get DeJulius or JD, Jeremiah Davenport involved early. But in the end, I think it, I think the key play to this is Landers Nolly. I mean, Landers has played in the Maui Invitational before. I think he's actually the first player in college basketball history to play in the Maui Invitational twice since he transferred from Michigan or, or uh, transferred from Memphis. So I think it all starts from Landers Nolly. Yeah. yeah. If he can get going, I think they have a real shot. But yeah. if he's not hitting, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I talked yeah. to I've talked to Tim about this a lot. I love UC's like length, their versatility defensively, a lot of stuff like that. They can really play defense if they're all locked in and engaged like really well. It's just the offense is the problem for me. Their shooting, their spacing is the big problem for me. If UC can hit threes consistently, I feel as if they can compete with just about anybody. If they can't, I feel like they can lose to anybody. And that's the real inconsistency with UC's basketball team right now, in my opinion. And that was the problem last year. But Newman, obviously, if when he comes back, that'll help. He's a good shooter. He can space the floor. Really, really nice 3 and D, really nice defender. But I just if UC can hit shots tonight, I think they'll be able to defend at a high level because I also do believe – I know, Neil, you watch a lot more UC. You watch every single game, every second. They're a lot more locked in defensively when they hit shots, I feel like. It gives them a little more motivation to stay locked in defensively. Yeah, and I think overall, I think tonight what's going to be interesting is See how Big Vic plays. Big Vic obviously has had almost – he had a double-double early on, and then he almost had one against NKU. But Was that Cleveland State he had the big game? Yeah, Cleveland State I think he went 14-10, and 14-12, and 12, something like that. Yeah, it was 12, I think. But you also got to think Arizona's a physical team. Like, it's going to be big to see how guys like Kalua Zipke, uh, Victor uh, Lockin, Odio Guama. It's going to be interesting to see how those big guys get, get active down there because Arizona – is they're going to be physical, and I think they all know that. So, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I would, I would love for UC to win. Um, I'm not going to predict it by any means, but I definitely think they can compete and keep this thing close. If, like I said, if they can knock down threes when they get open looks, that's that's just really shot selection is a key with UC. I feel like sometimes they rush early in the shot clock, take a forced. Uh, Davenport will take a force like three in transition and don't get me wrong. Davenport can shoot, but he's not no clay Thompson sniper. <laughs> he can, yeah, shoot, I think but he, I feel like he can rush three sometimes early in shot clocks. Yeah, I agree. And I think the key is tonight. You can't have those shots. Arizona's yeah. good enough where if you come down and you chuck up a shot, six, seven seconds into the shot clock, they'll come down and they'll make you pay for it. Yeah. Seen it in the past, but look at, look at this Maui invitational just lineup. There's five teams ranked in the top 25. And mm-hmm. Creighton's playing Texas Tech right now. I'm not sure if that game has yet concluded. But you look down at it, Arkansas's ranked ninth, Creighton's ranked 10th, Arizona's 14th, San Diego State's 17th, and Texas Tech's 23. So no yeah. matter which way, the Bearcats are playing the national competition yeah. in this tournament. And th- this is important for their like non-conference schedule. Because they got a lot of cupcakes on the schedule besides mm-hmm. this Maui and the Crosstown. It's a lot of cupcakes. <laughs> a yeah, lot yeah. of games they're going to be 20-point favorites in. And this is a good test for them to see where they are before AAC uh, conference play gets gets ready and rolling and everything. Um, wh- one more thing I will say on UC. If DeJulius can really control the tempo and play as he, as he has a lot of the season thus far, they'll, ha- they'll be in it because – 
I think DeJulius has really, really improved, and I wasn't really expecting that much improvement out of him in his last college go-around. He's really improved this year as a passer especially. I know Neil and me have both asked questions to uh, Wes and the uh, presser about, like, Julius's improvements as a facilitator this year because he really is making a lot more plays for other guys. And if he continues to kick out, and if those guys can hit those open looks, he gets them when he draws a defense that I think UC can compete tonight. I agree. I agree with that statement, Parker. Yeah. Yep. I just, All right. One thing on UC, the way you were describing it, sounds a, a, an awful lot like those early Travis Steele teams at Xavier. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> an awful lot like those Travis Steele teams. The, the the one thing I will say, I said this in my preseason like prediction with Xavier. I will say, and UC, the one thing I do think UC has going for them more than Xavier right now is they do have somebody to just get a shot when everything breaks down and the shot clock is running down. The Julius can get his shot off uh, and get a good look because he's really a nice ISO player. Xavier really doesn't have much of that. They have Kunkel, I would say, is their ISO play breaking down step back guy. And that's think, important sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think Boom could end up in yeah. that role. D- yeah. Depends on when Desmond Claude comes on, kind of yeah. when he starts to break through. I agree. Uh, Skillings uh, is a uh, go tonight, right? Is his ankle like, or what? What was his injury? Sorry, I, I'm uh, he he rolled his ankle yeah. versus EKU, but Wes Miller actually said Dan was good to go versus NKU, but he didn't think it was fair to him due to not going through the scouting, not going through any practices. So, and he was only playing that would have been his third game in his career, third or fourth game in his career. I mean, he just was basically playing it safe and didn't want to put him out there. And knowing Maui was the head getting hurt, you didn't want to risk that injury, especially with Newman out. Like, Skillings is going to see his minutes increase now with Newman out. Yeah, and I've been impressed with Skillings. I think he's got a lot of upside. I mean, yeah, he was one of those late bloomers. I mean, I think he was ranked, like, top 50, think 41 or 42 in the class of 22. So, I mean, he was one of those late bloomers. I mean, he's only been playing for three, four years of organized high school ball. So, I mean, he's going to be one of those uh, late bloomers. So, he's going to be special. It's just going to be about how the time takes. Yep. Anybody else got anything to add on any team or thing we covered? I think this was honestly the best episode we've ever had. We really covered everything today. It was a good episode. Neil, you're a good guest. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it, my man. Not a problem. Thank you guys for having me. All right, and we'll see you guys on the next podcast.